<laughs> Glory. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And thank you, bright Holy Spirit, glory cloud. Intimacy with the spirit of glory as a person. Can you take your mind and go into your heart and love the spirit of glory? That's really the key to everything. God sent his Holy Spirit and we must become intimate with the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you know Him? Your bodies are not your own, meaning you should have no consciousness of self in the body, only consciousness of the Holy Spirit in your body. That's what holiness is. That's what consecration, sanctification is all about. Until your mind is only aware of the spirit of glory inside your hearts and no longer self at all. That's when you're free from the curse. That's when you're free from the flesh. That's when you've overcome Satan. Satan tries to keep your soul away from the spirit of glory. Every prophetic word from God is to draw your mind, your mind closer to the spirit of glory in your heart. Your mind can look right into the spirit of glory, into the brightness of the Holy Spirit and magnify the glory. Mary's song says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Your soul can magnify the Lord of glory who came into your heart. This is a time of massive repentance. But repentance in the kingdom is very different than repentance in the church of Jezebel that nearly all Christians come out of in the entire world during this time. I'll give you a revelation. It's the truth anyhow. All Christianity is the horror of Babylon is Revelation 17. All Christianity rides the seven-headed beast. All of it. Every building system of man's Christianity in the world. And the only thing that doesn't ride the seven-headed beast, that's not a prostitute to Babylon, which is flesh and blood ability, is the tabernacle of David, the new Jerusalem, that rests upon the flesh but is not controlled by the flesh or the blood at all. It's the city of God the Father, the city of the Spirit of glory. You get in by sacrificing your souls to Him inside your heart. Revelation 21, The Spirit brought me up to the city on top of a great mountain. The city on a hill. The Spirit when I looked at the Spirit in my heart, out of your heart will flow rivers of the Spirit that will lift your soul up into a supernatural city of God and His angels called Mount Zion, the city of innumerable angels. You have not come to Sinai that even if an animal touches it, it must be stoned to death, but you have come to Mount Zion, the city of angels, the city of spirits, the city of righteous men made perfect. What's perfect about them? They're not in the flesh. <laughs> if flesh were perfect, it would go into heaven with you when you died. And some men were made perfect and brought their bodies with them into heaven. Enoch, Moses, Elijah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> And so, the sanctification of your hearts and minds is the purification and the resurrection inside your own bones and marrow. There's an elevation to your bones and marrow that makes you immune to all sickness and disease. 
Everyone that lives in New Jerusalem is completely immune to all sickness and all disease because their bones have been raised from the dead. We're going there and you're a lot closer than you think. I tell you what, Satan's a liar and he is so desperate to deceive. All Christian leaders wrestle principalities and a lot more than you realize. And they come in the most subtle, deceptive ways of influence through areas of familiarity, areas of lack of revelation. And people can just take the bait of the enemy and be deceived all the time. Jude talks about that even the elite would be deceived. You know, the only person who can't be deceived is Jesus. The only way you're not going to be deceived is if you're completely dead to self and only alive to Christ. Because self is the only thing that can be deceived because that's what deception is, is that you have a self. That you're something apart from Christ. But if you can crucify <laughs> self to Christ in the spirit of glory and know the person of the spirit of glory inside your heart and become a temple of the Holy Spirit, you can no longer be tempted. It's impossible. God cannot be tempted. It is written. And we are the temples of the Holy Spirit of God who is equal to the Father and the Son. The issue is we have not brought our brains into the spirit of glory to burn them as animal sacrifices. And animal sacrifices is exactly the prescription of the new covenant. Not just old covenant. Old covenant, yeah, you got bulls and doves and they're bringing birds and sparrows and you can sacrifice goats and cows and anything you want. But in the new covenant, you only sacrifice the animal brain, the beast. And where is it? On the head and on the hand. Have you sacrificed your hands and your heads to the spirit of glory? Almost none have. I mean, people are opinionated about everything. And when Christ comes, His brightness ends the argument. Amen? And He comes out of your hearts. He comes through you before He comes to you. Every argument will be demolished. Every stronghold torn down. 2 Corinthians 10.5 When Christ is manifest as the morning star risen in our hearts, that fire is the rise of the white throne judgment seat of Christ. The white throne, yeah, there's a future event of the judging of the nations, but it's also available now. You have access to boldly approach the throne of grace. Why? And every overcomer, Revelation says, will sit upon my throne and dash the nations to pieces like pottery. And Isaiah 22, 23 says, you are thrones of honor and glory in the Father's house. So you have a throne and you are a throne inside the throne of thrones. God's throne is also shared with you. That's the new covenant and it's the glory and the judgment of His perfect spotless love rising in your heart. The morning star is the throne room of God the Father and the Lamb rising in your heart. So you don't just have a little trinkle of anointing, a little trickle of living water, but it rises in the full gush of God. So that the rivers are the four rivers of Genesis 2.10. The four river heads. And it comes out the head as the lion, eagle, ox, and man rivers in the north and the south and the east and the west rivers of the temple. There are four rivers proceeding from God's throne. Amen? Not just one. John 7.38 says, Out of your belly will flow rivers. Plural. All of them. But they don't just pour out of your belly here and leave your head stranded to be tempted by religious demons and kill yourself every day. That ain't how it works. It's to get fully zipped up in your heart so all the rivers can flow up and come out your head. That's how you get the names of God written on your forehead in Revelation. The names of God are in the Spirit of God as the temple of God. Lift up your gates of the head as the gates of God and it comes out your eyes with flashing fire, your mouth and the voice of many waters. Out your ears, my people hear my voice, the voice of many waters. And it comes out your forehead, which is the ancient gate. It says they'll be sealed on their foreheads. 
What's it mean to be sealed on your forehead? You have finally gotten zipped up, sanctified from all the worldliness and idolatry of your heart. And that could be anything. It's anything in the natural realm that you value more highly than God is serving demons. <laughs> doesn't matter what it is. You shall have no other gods besides me. That means if you have anything in your heart besides the river, you're serving demons. And that's why your soul doesn't feel the full glorification of God. And we all do it. I've met deliverance ministers, prophets galore that say, I've never seen a Christian, even an apostle or prophet, that didn't have some demonic influence. Perfect people don't exist. The only perfect man is Jesus who ever lived. So be very gracious and kind and gentle to others, knowing how much you've been forgiven, so God can be gentle and forgiving towards you. Oh my goodness. Worst thing you can do is become an accuser of the brethren. It's one thing to accuse sin. It's one thing to accuse idols. It's another thing to accuse a human being that's made in the image of God. Only demons do that. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. If we attack sin, it's for correction, training, and rebuking in righteousness so that you can live and not die. All sin ends in death. Oh, yeah. Sin is death. <laughs> so, righteousness attacks sin because righteousness is love. Love is righteousness and righteousness is love. When you're upright, you'll release the river of love. The spirit of love will come forth out of your heart and through your soul and will attack the same demons and idols you overcame in order to have his names written on your forehead to release the four rivers of God. We only attack the things from experience that tried to kill us in the path in the past. I don't attack anything else except what I've overcome myself. No hypocrisy. It doesn't make any sense. It's not practical. It's a waste of time. We don't have time for theology. We don't have time for doctrine. Get that garbage of religion out of here. We only have time for wisdom. Now the difference between wisdom and theology and doctrine is life and death. Theology and doctrine, you can figure it all out and think you're so smart and stuff and still die and go to hell. Doesn't mean you live in the glory cloud. Doesn't mean you have angelic encounters. Doesn't mean you're divine and godly at all. What it's about is wisdom. Wisdom builds her seven pillars, Proverbs 9 says. Wisdom has slain her beast, which has crucified the soul with Christ. Wisdom has prepared her feast. Wisdom has mixed her wine. Wisdom is the experience of the gospel in the glory realm. Song of Songs 2.4 says, He brought me into a house of wine. Wisdom brings you into the house of experiencing the spirit of glory. Wisdom is what we want. Now, the difference between wisdom and just impractical knowledge without experience is life and death. That's the tree of the knowledge of good that Adam and Eve ate from and died in the beginning. Wisdom's the tree of life. God Himself has been made our wisdom, it is written. And wisdom is experience plus knowledge. You have to come into the experience of His love that far exceeds mere knowledge without experience. The experience of divine love comes in a word. You see the word as a fireball. You see the word as a package in a container of the glory. Those who have walked with God are filled with the word of God. And when they speak, the word of God brings like anchors right into people's hearts to pull them into the living waters. Everyone who speaks wisdom speaks from the realm of experience that brings forth encounters with every word proceeding from their mouths. Wisdom costs you your carnal mind. And who would not want to give up the beast anyway? You gotta love sin to hold on to your own soul. You do. You have to be a lover of sin. Jude warns about these people that will be lovers of self. That means they love their souls instead of his soul. His soul is called the mind of Christ. Can you imagine a people that serve their own mind instead of the mind of Jesus who came into our heart? What kind of idolatrous people would that be? A stubborn and rebellious people that never obey the Lord Jesus. Serving opinions instead of the royal throne of glory. 
I tell you what, the difference is night and day. And we come from the experience of serving God in the glory of His throne room for years and years and years. And that's why our gospel is so dynamically different from those that just come out of mere knowledge, that just come out of the soul realm. We are to live only out of the heart realm. Amen. The garden realm, the experience realm, the wisdom realm, the wine realm. It's not for your thinker, it's for your drinker. And if you don't pull your thinker into your drinker, you'll go down the wide path of destruction. It's a very wide path because it's everyone who still has control of their life in consciousness of self. Who has not been crucified with Christ. This is the key right here. To be buried into the baptism of His death. Oh my goodness. If you can get the baptism of His death, you can get all of His glory. But so many run from dying. And I tell you, there's specks and there's planks and there's deeper levels of, of dying and the glory is what kills you. Second Corinthians chapter 2, it's the fragrance of life to the living and the fragrance of death to the dying. The glory of God is what crucifies you with the seven piercings of Christ so that you have the seven spirits of God burning through the seven seals of God and the seven stars of God. So you become the manifesting sons of God by the crucifixion of the Son of God through all your flesh in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what to worship in spirit and in truth means. To worship in spirit rather than in self. To worship in truth rather than in your own flesh. It's the blood and the wine. It's his spirit and his body. It's to worship in his spirit and his body rather than your own spirit and your own body. It's to get out of yourself and into his self. And that doesn't mean he's out of the stars, that he's outside of you. It means that he's even deeper inside of you than your own self is. It means he transcends you in height, width, depth, length, in measure, in substance. He is bigger and farther and wider than you are, farther than you can even remotely comprehend. If you can surrender your finite seed of who you are into the vastness and mystery of the ocean and the unfathomable realms of God's love, you will take flight in Him. You will worship in Him. And worship is a giving of yourself, giving of your own comprehension, of your own ability, of your own self to His vastness so that He can carry you. He's worshiping Himself through you. You have no ability in self to worship Him. That's why you worship Him in spirit and in truth. You worship Him in His body, in His spirit, because Christ is the per perfect worship to the Father. He is the only one in the entire universe that ever died a worthy death, that only died worthy to be resurrected up into the highest heavens to be seated on the throne after having lived a perfect life. He's the only one who demonstrated a life of perfect worship to the Father, which was his perfect surrender to the Father. Even Christ didn't consider it... Even, even Christ maintained a posture of not my will be done, but your will be done. It's not my words that I speak, but the Father's words that I speak. It's not my own glory that I seek, but the Father's glory that I seek. Even Christ, who is perfectly one with God and is God, maintained the posture of not me, but thee. Because that's what Christ is. That's what divinity is. To be God is to be a lover. To be God is to be selfless. And there's truly only two paths in life that you could ever take. And however subliminally you're taking them, some people are completely blind and they're like sheep led to the slaughter and they live their entire lives in apathy, just living a completely selfish life and they don't even know that it's selfish because it's so apathetic and it's so shallow and it's so with the flow of the rest of the world. But there are only two paths in life and they're complete polar opposites. One is to live a selfish life and the other is to live a selfless life. One leads to death and one leads to life. Eternal death and eternal life. 
the goal is to die before you die. <laughs> and you really only do that by overdosing on God. <laughs> you really only do that by bringing so much of yourself into the mystery of God's cloud of light that you absolutely dissipate like vapor <laughs> into his presence. <laughs> in prayer. <laughs> 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 I have a big drink of that glory cloud right there. Oh, man. <laughs> mm, it's good to get overcome with joy. God's been speaking to me a lot about the intensification of joy. The joy of the Lord's always been our strength, and we've always lived in the joy of our salvation, drinking the cup of joy, <laughs> the cup of glory, the glorious joy. It's been so glorious. It's been so joyful my entire Christian life. I tell you the truth. It's been absolutely wonderful. But he's telling me now the joy is about to really turn up. He's telling me this joy is going to be way stronger than anything I've ever experienced before. And the truth of it is, it's because our hearts are getting cleaner and more purified. A lot of you are realizing how intoxicating sanctification actually is. God is only trying to purify your hearts so that you have the highest quality of life on earth. And we are so stuck in the mud down here in the dirt realm that we don't realize He's only doing everything for our benefit. Nobody likes discipline oh. during the time of being disciplined, but afterwards it, it brings forth the harvest of righteousness. Mm. So we're like, oh, well, harvest of righteousness. Huh? That doesn't sound as very good. Discipline hurts. And so and no one wants it, and everyone runs from it. I mean, it's so rare that I meet a people that embrace sanctification. I'm not talking about beat yourself up Christianity. That's garbage. That's demonic. I'm talking about like the purifying of your heart seven times into pure silver. Oh my goodness. Having your heart refined in a crucible and having everything boiled in there. During worship, God was saying to me, um, Jezebel was destroyed at the walls of Jezreel. And it wasn't just the water. It's not just the living water. It's not just the glory that destroys the principality Jezebel in America. But it's the boiling water. Jezreel means boiling water. It was the vapor. It was the steam. And he says, prepare for the glory to come like steam upon your hearts. It's a deeper sanctification. Whoa. I mean, think about it. Steam is just little tiny molecules. You got the big water molecules. You boil that water, they become <laughs> tiny and they start floating. Oh, you're going to become tiny and floating in the glory. <laughs> Prepare to be vaporized. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing that could ever happen to you. At first, it's like, oh, I'm dying, but because you are, but oh. you're just dying to your sin nature. You're just dying to your Jezebel nature. You're just dying to your Cain nature. You're just dying to your Satan nature, your red dragon pride nature. You're just dying to your false nature. Your dead grave clothes are just being burnt off of you. And it's the vapor of the boiling water that finishes the job. It's the real Jezreel. It's the boiling of the living water. It's the mist. And it talks about the mist coming up in Eden and watering the garden. I'm telling you, that's the living water in vapor form. That's the steam of His glory. It's a finer and a more refined glory than we've ever tasted before. It's coming upon our hearts. The next level of sanctification is upon our tribe. You already see Him squirming out there. They couldn't even handle last season's level of sanctification. So don't be discouraged when people refuse to change their hearts. I've dealt with it every day of ministry for 14 years. People come in and they say they want God, and then when they get a taste of sanctification, they run because they love sin more than they love God. And let them beat themselves up. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, it hurts, I know. You don't desensitize yourself. You still love them perfectly. But you can only go forward in the glory. You cannot backslide for people that are not willing to change their hearts, that are not willing to sanctify and refine their hearts and purify their hearts and just cleanse everything in there. And I'm telling you, there is a purification coming to your heart 
that will completely vaporize you. We've been in the water, now we're going to be in the mist and the steam and the vapor. <laughs> the refinement is so much more detailed. So much more detailed. You can see the water. It's hard to see, see the little vapor, a little steam. I mean, it's becoming microscopic in your sanctification. Everything under a thousand power microscope sanctification in every detail of your heart. And that's where you get the really, really high glory. The perfection glory. We're coming into pinnacle glory. Mountaintop glory. Penthouse glory. We've had crack house glory. And now we're going to have penthouse glory, and we're going to fill everything in between. We're going to drown this world with the living water. And in order to do that, we have to be crystal clear and sparkling with the glory of God in perfect sanctification of our hearts, souls, minds, and bones. Very important that you put it through your bones, because your bones have to be lifted up onto the mountain in order for you to overcome death sin, sickness, and disease, you have to go up physically. That's why you can't just stay down in the valleys physically. That does not represent God accurately. God does not live in the low places. He lives in the high place. That's why He's called the Most High God, not the Most Low God. He's the Most High God. You have to know Him in the high places. False humility of the religious spirit has kept most people in cardboard box Christianity like it's holy to be poor, like it's holy to beat yourself up and all this other false piety crap of the religious demon that only glorifies Satan, that stuff will burn. God lives surrounded by golden mountains, 24 karat gold, gold so pure it's crystal clear. We don't know the Father very well, but we got a lot of opinions about Him. You notice that? (laughs) The Father is completely surrounded with gems, with gold, with silver. He's not greedy. There's not a drop of sin and wickedness in him. But who are we going to represent? The religious devil in poverty and false humility? Most Christians represent Satan and not the Father. The Father is surrounded by wealth and mountains of gold and rivers of gemstones. It's written in the Bible. There's gemstones in the New Jerusalem. There's streets of gold with living water in the New Jerusalem. It's all on earth as it is in heaven. This is how it's going to be in a short while. And you have to believe this word and change your hearts and minds first to to manifest the spirit of the word to create it into your natural realm. You have to first believe the good report that God is a rich God and not a poor God. That's very important. Jesus was never poor. Remember the wise men, the kings that came at his birth? Jesus was born a rich kid. They gave him caravans of gold, frankincense, of myrrh, kings from the east, the wise men. And we got this poverty gospel that is straight from the pits of hell, that has kept us so weak and powerless, and if you're not poor, well then you're just greeting rich, and it's like the black and white of Kabbalah. And we've let Kabbalah run Christianity in a Freemason counterfeit for hundreds and hundreds of years of false Christianity to the point where most Christians, even in the charismatic church, don't have an accurate picture of who Jesus, the Father, or the Spirit of glory even is. But we're here to paint a picture that's so perfect that you can taste it, you can smell it, that it will consume your five physical senses and crucify them with ecstasy. Not with pain. There's not one drop of pain in the crucifixion with Christ. Not one drop. What the only pain we feel is giving up our own pride, giving up our own idols. It only hurts because we're so idolatrous. That's a fact. I've dealt with it too my whole life. Pain is only because of our own sin. But he wipes every tear from our eyes when we enter his glory, Scripture says. So we're just having our hearts melted. He's changing us. He's glorifying us. And the greater the glory, the greater the detail sanctification work in our hearts and minds so that the words come forth and angels can gladly obey our every word and we walk in the creative power of God from the mountaintops. If we need to go into the valleys, it's on assignment, but we don't live in the valleys. We live on the mountains in Jesus' name. Elijah went from mountaintop to mountaintop. Christ went up every morning into the mountain to pray, Scripture says, and he went up into a very high mountain and he was changed before their eyes. And he became whiter than anyone could ever bleach clothes. And the Father spoke out of the bright cloud. 
when Jesus went up on the mountain, then he demonstrated the glory of God. We have to go up the natural mountain in society. Not just the spiritual mountain of Zion, but also the natural mountain. Very important. Jesus did, Elijah did, Moses did, Enoch did. Every prophet in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation not just went up the spiritual mountain, but also went up the natural mountain to have natural power and authority from the Spirit over all creation. And that's what Zion is. Zion is going up the natural mountain by the power of the resurrection of the Holy Spirit to rule and have dominion over all brains, all flesh, all blood, all society, all seven mountains. And that will slaughter the whore of Babylon who has lived out of the ability of the brain instead of the ability of the Holy Spirit. And that's what's going to happen very suddenly. It's going to be another suddenly. I believe it might drop this month. I've had several reports of people, dreams and visions, that there is a suddenly coming this month. I believe there is a suddenly like Pentecost 2.0 in 2020. You know, it's the second chapter of Acts, and it's the second month of 2020, and all these twos, and Acts chapter 2 in 2020, in the February this month, I believe can drop upon the whole planet in a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in never-ending revival. I believe that's what we're preparing for right now. I believe the angels are preparing for it. And if it doesn't happen this month, it will happen eventually. Because mm -hmm. it's promised in the scripture that we will have another flood, like the days of Noah. And it's a flood of the Holy Spirit and fire. And our city that we already live in is resting on that flood. It's the ark of the new Jerusalem that we have our citizenship in, in heaven already. And when your mind's renewed and you're raised from the dead spiritually, mentally, and physically to live in the new Jerusalem, you experience that realm continuously. That's what it means to live in the glory realm. That you're living in the city of God by the resurrection of the Holy Spirit above the flesh while in the body. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory. You feel that fire? Man, my ears are completely burning my neck. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Can you guys feel that microscopic, just sharp razor edge of the spirit sword glory <laughs> sanctifying you at a microscopic level? Can you guys feel that? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's truly like the very tip of the edge of the spirit of truth that divides joint and marrow, that divides soul and spirit. It, oh, that, that, that's, that's the very tip and it's so small that it can fit through the eye of the needle. It's like the very tip of the top of the mountain that fits through the eye of the needle and opens up the heavenly Jerusalem. And it's right there. Oh, where your your mind is formed into that point and your mind is formed into that point so that your whole soul goes straight into heavenly Jerusalem and pulls your body up along with it your body comes with it once you have faith the size of a mustard seed when you have faith the size of bigger than a mustard seed it's just a bluff and it's not even real but once you have faith so so incredibly small that you realize you don't even have any faith apart from Jesus that's the point where your entire soul fits through the eye of the needle <laughs> and so anything good. is possible at that point. There's no limitations in the spirit. When you're completely reliant on the spirit, there are no limitations. <laughs> the entire grid of this natural universe can dissolve. The, the, what you see, hear, smell, and taste can completely dissolve. What you're standing on, the, the heavens will be rolled up like a scroll and like a snap it will be done away with like a garment is done away with. You know, like everything that you see in this natural dimension will be burned. 
<laughs> by glory, fire, all the elements will be dissolved and whatever you know you built in the spirit will remain. <laughs> so when you get to that place of you're so small, you know nothing, and Jesus Christ is everything and the spirit is everything, there are no limitations. <laughs> There's no limitations to live in the timeline of where the body of Christ is at right now. You can pioneer ahead of that. There's no limitations, no, no limitations in space. You can walk through walls and you can live physically in heaven. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. Try putting your whole body, your physical flesh, through the eye of a needle. I'll watch. Let's see how long it takes you. Can you do it? No. But you have a chance with the mustard seed. It's in your smallness you can enter the fullness. <laughs> the whole kingdom presented before you, entering the small, narrow gate of God. By allowing him to pluck out of you what is worth saving and what is worth redeeming <laughs> and taking it from the realm of what perishes into the realm of what doesn't perish. Becoming that mustard seed fully grown into <laughs> the glory cloud itself. You become the living glory. Become the living glory of God. Wow. That's the call, anyhow. <clears throat> You're the children of glory. You were created from the seed. Scripture actually says in 1 John, from the sperm of the king of glory. You are the literal sperm and DNA of the Father of Glory. And if you give your mind to the importance of your glory nature, He will father your glory from glory to glory. That's the test and temptation every day. Will you let external spiritual forces that come like angels of light to deceive turn you away from the fathering of the seed of glory? Every one of us who's asked Jesus into our hearts has the full potential to walk in the same power as Jesus Christ of Nazareth, firstborn from amongst the dead. He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Of many more like him that are to come. Scripture prophesies about many manifesting sons of God. Matthew talks about the sons of the kingdom. A people that are exactly like the maturity of Jesus Christ in his ministry from ages 30 to 33. That only comes forth by a people who constantly give their minds to the seed of the spirit of glory they were born again and conceived of. You've been conceived in your new creation nature of the spirit of glory. Your nature is glory. You are a glorious creature and you are a glorious throne. Now if you give your mind back to the natural realm after you ask the king of glory to come in your heart and you get your spirit regenerated and become a member of the divine class beings that created the heavens and the earth and the whisper, but, but if you just go back and forfeit that inheritance, then the fallen angels take everything of your birthright. But it's in the repentance of returning your soul to the importance of your spirit where God only is that you get your inheritance back. Older prodigal sons, both of them forfeit their inheritance. The religious older one and the rebellious younger one. They had to go through tremendous suffering in order to value the seed of the kingdom of their father that was already placed inside them. The older one so distracted in external religion. The older one was a member of the synagogue of Satan, the synagogue of Jezebel. He didn't know his father. He didn't live in his father's house. He lived in Satan's house. He was a religious fanatic. He didn't know his nature at all. Didn't know his grace. Didn't know his love. Didn't know his heart. Didn't know his spirit. He, he was a carnal, religious person. The younger one was rebellious. We pick on the younger one. He's sleeping with prostitutes, squanders his wealth. Then next thing you know, he's eating out of the pig trough. But I tell you, the older prodigal was equally as wicked, if not more wicked in his self-righteousness than the younger one was in his rebelliousness. But both of them had to get beat up by their familiar spirits and their sin nature and the weaknesses of the temptations of the world in order to value God's kingdom. And they both had to kill something in order to enter in. The younger one, a fattened calf. The older one, 
a goat. <laughs> the goat nature is the nature of pride. Goats are prideful, stubborn beasts. The younger one is a, a calf nature, the golden calf, the lust and the orgy in the wilderness. It was the lust nature and the pride nature that had to be slaughtered in order to come into the kingdom. But you don't even know how evil you are until you start living apart from God. It's only those people that have come to the end of themselves in their own lust and pride that ever enter the kingdom. Only the sick know they need a doctor. If you're healthy without the Spirit, you'll live a natural life and die and destroy yourself and go to hell for eternity. That's the wide path of destruction with your eyes attached to the external. You have to be completely destroyed of the external and then attach your eyes to Christ in you and realize the glory to enter the kingdom. Few, Jesus Christ said, few enter because few sacrifice their eyes from the external realm. That's the actual circumcision of the heart. As you stop seeing externally, you stop trying to be good externally, you stop being religious, you stop being rebellious, you stop all the human nature, you stop all the natural nature, and you give your eyes to the supernatural nature of Jesus Christ, and you start living as a different kind of creature altogether that's not a part of this world. And that's when you start to get persecuted and misunderstood because no one understands that nature except those that are walking and sacrificing for that nature. Those are the true Christians of God. Those are the ones that bear the marks of crucifixion. The ones that have sacrificed and crucified the external to live out of the Spirit internally. And what is the Spirit living through us internally? There's water and blood pouring from our side intoxicating sacrifice, experiencing the divine agape love that is thrilling every moment. It's called the glory of God. People only live in the glory once they sacrifice their external nature and value the internal nature. But it takes a complete and total coming to the end of yourself. And not just the end of yourself, because that won't do you any good either. Just getting beat up by the world, there's no victory in that. It's in now yielding to Christ and growing in Christ and following Christ, obeying Christ. No matter what kind of crazy thing He tells you that cuts against the grain of society. Your family's not going to understand. Your friends won't understand. Most of them will want you to change back into the thing you were before. Because it was familiar to them. It was sinful to them. They like darkness. They don't like light. Light wants them to change. Light forces them to repent. No one wants to repent unless they've come to an end of themselves. And they see everything as evil except serving Christ and Him crucified dead to this world and alive to the kingdom of heaven, those are the ones God will use as leaders in this great awakening. The ones that have cultivated a cloud of glory by continuous and perpetuous self-sacrifice for the manifestation of Father God on a mountaintop pinnacle of energy and glory that people can physically feel. They will respond to you like Peter, James, and John. Shall we build shelters? Nonsense. They go mad. This is the kind of glory like Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar that makes them crawl on their bellies and eat grass and exposes the sinful beast nature of everyone whose eyes are attached to the external nature in the hopes that their eyes would be circumcised to attach to Christ in them and realize the glory and start living as the sons and daughters of the Holy Spirit and not the sons and daughters of the red dragon. In the name of Jesus Christ, then your grave clothes will burn off your spirit. And your spirit will be free to live and move and have its being on earth as it is in heaven with no chains of the flesh on your spirit whatsoever. That's when the morning star rises in your heart. When all of the grave clothes of the former life of pride and rebellion have been burnt off your heart and your soul and your mind and the four rivers of glory are pouring out of your head and you bear the image of the lion, eagle, ox, and the wonderful four-faced man, because you're created to be exactly like Jesus in every way. Mm -hmm. Amen. So good. Here's the test. Have you become the gift giver, or have you become the gift? Because if you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, you'll be the gift giver rather than the gift. You'll become the very essence and nature of God rather than the outcome of His nature. And this is what separates 
the Babylonian system that the church has established where we become, we've transformed ourselves outside of the Holy Spirit and into the outcome of the Holy Spirit rather than being the Holy Spirit made manifest. And so that's how we can test our hearts and align ourselves with the Great Awakening, awakening to the Spirit that lies within and, and letting us be that very essence, letting us be the, you know, that fullness, letting us be the one that, that acts like the Spirit acts. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit gives gifts as the Spirit decides. Not just trying to become a gift of the Holy Spirit, not just trying to become an end result, but becoming the fullness. Glory. <laughs> There's five verses here that I feel are necessary for this month or today. It's so fiery and this glory is so majestic. Thank you, Father, for letting everyone experience you in a deeper fire, in a deeper wonder, in a deeper mystery, in a deeper peace and love, in a deeper healing and prosperity than ever before. It's going to be awesome to see you guys manifest yeah. everything our Father is through your hearts and minds. Because yeah. that's what's about to happen. All spiritual growth is for just the revealing of the Father's full goodness through our hearts wow. and minds to wrap our flesh. There is nobody like our Father. He is absolutely amazing in everything He does. He doesn't have a single bad thing. Jesus described it to Israelites. If you ask your father for a fish, will he give you a snake? If you ask him for bread, will he give you a rock? <laughs> and it's like, no, he's only going to give you every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadows. He has nothing negative to give. He has no darkness in him at all. He has no shadows and he never changes. He's always goodness yesterday, today, and forever. Our issue is learning how to receive and manifest Him and trust Him because you're tempted by the enemy, the shadows, to keep our hearts in a lower place where there aren't the blessings of God, where we don't know Him that well. There's a place of knowing Him face to face by trust and by faith and obedience because everything the Spirit of God is trying to do in leadership in our lives is so that you have a deeper and richer encounter with the Father continuously, to know Him in His fullness burning through your hearts mm -hmm. and, re and completely renewing your mind so that your physical body is experiencing everything God the Father is in heaven all the time through your body on earth. That's all the Spirit of God ever wanted to do through your life, your entire life, is to have you have the most heavenly experience on earth by the Father being fully formed in your hearts. So I just encourage everybody to trust and obey. I've been on this path for so long. He's never let me down. He's never disappointed me. And it's always weird. It's because it's, it's foreign to the flesh nature. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So it's going to be totally different than you could imagine. And then the outcome be way more glorious than you could imagine. And it's like that every step of faith, every degree of glory, every little bit of self that you give to the fire for sacrifice is a greater encounter of the Father's goodness. But if you don't bring yourself to the fire, if you don't bring your soul, your brain, your mind, your spine, your heart, into the spirit of glory burning in you, you'll never know Him on the inside. You can know about Him on the outside. That's not knowing Him. That's iniquity. It's about knowing Him, intimacy with Him in His spirit, burning up your brain and your heart and your bones and your blood and your spinal cord continuously to the spirit of glory burning in our hearts. Psalms 10, uh, Psalms 104 verse 4, You make your messengers into winds of the spirit, and all your ministers become flames of fire. You become a flame of fire by a continual yielding of your brain to Christ in your spirit until your brain actually can catch flame. You can have flames coming out your brain. That's what a white stone with a new name on it actually is. Your whole body begins to burn because you've consistently brought your brain as an animal sacrifice. Animal flesh can burn. <laughs> yeah, the more fat, the greater the fire too. So the more worldly you've been, the more there is to burn. Hey, 
it feels good to burn. There, there is not one painful thing about the fire of God. The fire of God is pure ecstasy. Highly recommend burning. Matthew 3.11 Those who repent I baptize with water, but there is coming a man after me who is more powerful than I am. In fact, I'm not even worthy enough to pick up his sandals. He will submerge you into union with the spirit of holiness and with a raging fire. Union with the spirit of holiness and a raging fire. Do you want that experience? Luke 3.16, But John made it clear by telling them, There is one coming who is mightier than I. He is supreme. In fact, I'm not worthy to even be his slave. I can only baptize you in this river, but he will baptize you into the spirit of holiness and into a raging furnace. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Once you have this fire, don't leave the fire. In other words, you can leave the fire. People leave the fire. Temptations pull you out of the fire. Stay in the fire. Mm -hmm. What God has for you is far better than anything you can do on your own. 2 Timothy 1.6 I'm writing to encourage you to fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift of God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. So by faith, we just command our angels to lay hands upon your spiritual stomachs and stir up the spiritual gifts and a fresh spring of fire spring up in your heart and captivate your mind to the spring of the glory of the Garden of Eden and the love of God to completely consume your whole brain to the internal reality of the Holy Spirit that your inner man become more real to your mind than your outer man so that you can walk with God in His glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory. Hey, it's a wonderful season of increase, you guys. We're building the water temple. We're establishing the new Jerusalem. This is it. This is it. Ask the Holy Spirit how you can participate in the building of the new Jerusalem and the establishment of the water temple partner your finances, bring your gold into the temple, bring your gold into the city, and let it be sanctified for the use of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ through His sacred apostles. We're doing a mighty work here in Red Letter Ministries. Bring your gifts, your offerings, your donations, and your tithes into this ministry, and God will sanctify you and bless you as you build the new Jerusalem with us. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be blessed. We'll see you guys tomorrow. I love you guys so much. Glory.